Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, we are going to be reacting to a lot of the action that happened in the week one of the CDL season. It was a pretty crazy one, a lot of game fives, some round 11, some crazy optic scenarios. And we're also going to offer our predictions for the coming week, week two of stage one qualifiers, and just talk about everything that happened this weekend in general, because a lot of stuff went down, a lot of crazy matches, a lot of crazy clutches. Um, just a lot of action going on. But before we get into all that, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, had a little bit of an internet scare this morning. Uh, yeah, I was in contact with you. I said, you know, we might have to push the podcast off. Um, ended up having to run out to two different stores to find a, the proper cable to restore power to our cable splitter. It's a big mess. Um, anyway, got it figured out. Uh, Winter Olympics are on. I know they're not the most popular thing nowadays, but uh, you know I'm a big slappy for winter sports. So <laughs> uh, I've been pretty happy, you know, just watching some late night sports and uh, yeah. So uh, I'm ready to dive in. Though I uh, caught some of the CDL matches this weekend. Uh, obviously, we'll have more to talk about there, but yeah, I'm ready to get going. Yeah, I'm. I'm also excited to get going because we've got. Maybe some teams that we didn't expect to have big weekends, have some big weekends, and some teams that we expected to kind of cruise by this weekend really struggle more than we thought they would. So the weekend definitely didn't go chalk. Pickums obviously weren't that good for either of us, to be honest, but we'll get into that later. Uh, things are pretty crazy. But if you guys enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, and drop a follow or a review on any of the audio platforms. We'd greatly appreciate that. All right, Kyle, you ready to just dive in? I think this week, I mean, there obviously isn't a ton of roster stuff yet because we're very, very early in the season, so there's not a ton of news to talk about, but you ready to just jump into big picture reactions, kind of talk about some of the teams and maybe dive into a few specific matches here and there? Yeah, let's send it. All right, I think you all know where we have to start. Probably the story of the weekend. Kyle has probably a grin on his face right now thinking about his rocker as one of the teams that took down Optic, but... Optic coming into this weekend playing London and Minnesota. You know, two teams we thought uh, they're not like easy wins by any means. They're good teams, but in our grand scheme of things, we would figure Optic would probably be the favorite in both of those matches or at least should have a pretty good chance to win those. Thinking, I mean, my mindset was Optic should go at least one and one this weekend. I think either team could beat them, but they come out 0 2, two game five round 11 losses. Um, I guess a lot of people, you know how social media is right now with Optic losing twice to teams that they probably, in the eyes of at least the fans, should beat. Um, everybody's saying that they're the worst team of all time. Everybody's overreacting uh, after two regular season week one matches. I, I think everybody will probably know where I stand on this, but I tend to be the more steady, I feel like, person with Optic that doesn't get too high, too low, and you seem to be the guy that's willing to just bury them or ride with them. So I want to get your thoughts on it first. No, I uh, go back and audit the transcript of last podcast. I, <laughs> I, I, I said something about like scump with the hands on the head um, in you reaction to, to losing. I don't know exactly what the context was, but um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to go back and listen to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, the worst possible case scenario for them, obviously, um, you know, the instant gut reaction is like. Uh, you know, for me being a rocker stan, I'm like, you know, wow, if, if Optic win against the rocker, then, you know, we're, we're riding the same storylines of, you know, rocker in their one match, they, they lose to Optic. So it would be like, oh, they suck. Um, mm -hmm. It definitely came down to it. Um, that Berlin hard point, you know, Optic carried 100%. like, a, I think they had like almost a hill and a half lead um, going into um, 
you know, the rotations there and, uh, you know, somehow rocker clawed their way back. Um, you know, optic just playing not really fundamentally correct in order to, you know, sustain a lead of that magnitude. And then obviously mm-hmm. game five, round 11, some things didn't go their way. Uh, Illy kind of got caught out. Um, you know, just like I said, the worst possible case scenario. Um, am I hitting the panic button? Absolutely not. I mean, but it does, it raises more questions than it answers, you know, like it's like, sure. you know, we expected this team with Rambo coming into the coaching staff with Sender. Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, people were expecting myself included this team to really come out and just be, you know, fundamentally sound. Uh, playing correct obviously this is the time of the year where optic tend to have a lot of success uh you know grinding and learning the game super early and um you know just being better or having more stuff found out than other teams but you know starting off this uh the seeding uh for major one oh and two um you know they're definitely gonna have to uh you know win out in order to get favorable seeding you would think yeah, for sure, because, I mean, I can't imagine that they have too many, like, quote-unquote, easy matches left because Rocker and London are more towards middle of the pack, you'd think, so I gotta imagine they gotta at least play one of, like, your Surge, your Phase, your Ultra in this stage. I can't exactly uh, remember what their schedule is. I believe they have Paris coming up this week, so, I mean, that's a match they absolutely have to win. Uh, first seeding, they they cannot lose. Uh, to Paris this coming week but I yeah I'd say the same thing I'm not at all ready to hit the panic button I'd even venture to say now this is obviously not how they want to start they want to start 2-0 and like every team did but I would almost venture to say that in the long run like right now it's going to seem terrible it might hurt them for this first major but this almost might be a little bit of a help for them in the long run because like you said they're a fast starting team that tends to get off to super quick starts early on in the game like in Modern Warfare I believe they won that first event they went undefeated at the the uh, Minnesota like kickoff series, and then they won the first event. They typically are a team. I mean, they didn't win the first event last year and didn't finish top two, but like usually on average, Optic is like the team that wins the first event with Scump, and they look like the best team or a top two, top three team early on. This year coming in, a lot of people said, you know, scrims they look like a top three team coming in, and then obviously they lose two round elevens. I think it almost might be a little bit of a blessing because maybe this will have the opposite effect typically we see them start out hot and then they kind of get complacent and they don't practice as hard like they always say they get almost too cocky with themselves and just don't put as much work in and now they're 0-2 and it's like holy crap if we lose one more match in this regular season with only three left and we go two and three we're probably starting in loser's bracket or there's at least a potential that they're starting in loser's bracket or they get like a phase or a seattle round one which you don't want uh to be knocked into losers right away so i i think it could be a benefit if they use it as one but it definitely is not an ideal start to the year although uh i'm really not too panicked on them at all yeah i mean it's it's easy to get you know obviously the internet comes at them hard uh you know you have a bunch of just down bad emoji tweeting and yeah meme tweeting at optic and and then you have, you know, like the, oh, you'll be better, you'll get them next time, Sethy, and all, you know, just like the, the classic, like, platitudes for um, for Optic losing. And it just kind of just sours the mood that it's the first two matches of the year, and obviously they lost in the kickoff classic as well. So they don't even have a series win under their belt no uh, in Vanguard, which is, you know, and it's got to be a little frustrating. You just hope that... uh 
you know, their camp is pretty cool, calm and collected. I don't know. I mean, uh, they really haven't won a uh, an actual legit tournament since uh, Black Ops 4. I think it was the Las Vegas, I want to say. Yep. Yeah, Las um, Vegas, the opening. I mean, and, and, then, and, then, and then we can count those eight team, uh, the early LAN of um, when they won over in London mm-hmm. uh, for the London homestand for um, Modern Warfare. Uh, and then they also won an online one. But I mean, like... Uh, just you, you, you want them to succeed so bad, you know, it's, you know, it like it or not, it's the team that's carrying the, the name, the franchising yep. league of call of duty. So, um, you know, it, I, I would just want to see them succeed soon. Uh, and you can tell that the players are really frustrated as well. Yeah. I, I think another interesting thing with both their series, when you actually like take a deep dive into the stats a little bit, and I heard Aches mention this a bit on the flank, that first series against London when they get reverse swept, Scump had 97 kills and 89 deaths for a 1.1. Next highest on the team was Shotzi with 87. And then both Dashi and Illy were in the 70s. Illy had a 0.79, Dashi had a 0.91. That's pretty crazy to think, because like if you think who's going to be the kill leader on Optic in every series, you'd say Dashi or Shotzi. In my opinion, Scump will probably be the third most likely, because... Shotzi, we know he's MVP caliber player. He's the guy that's kind of getting probably the most engagements you would figure. And he's probably going to have the most kills because he's just got a ridiculous skill level. And then Dashi, we know he just gets a ton of elims and always posts a really good KD. Well, he had a .91 in the first series and a .87 in that second series against Minnesota. And then Shotzi had 111. So once again, the whole panic button thing, I'm not ready to hit it. You're not ready to hit it. I think it's a pretty decent positive that Shotzi absolutely tucked Minnesota in that final series with a 1.3 and had 111 kills. And I think it's also a good sign that Scump was by far their leading kill guy in the first series against London because I think that shows that the subs are really heating up. They honestly just need Dashi to just kill her a little more and just play a little more like we know dashy to play i think he was trying to play so fundamental and trying to like change up his play style i think he changed a little too much i think dashy if he gets back to himself i think this team will be just fine but also along with optic i think we've got to shout out your minnesota rocker it's not just optic lost this series minnesota won this series i mean optic may have thrown away that hardpoint lead in the map four but minnesota did everything perfect in order for them to throw that away and in that search and destroy i mean they iced up Granted, I do think that Optic, I thought when I saw Illy on that pinch uh, and the B-bomb side on Berlin, and I thought, oh my god, Optic wins this because Illy had a free two-piece. He would have, like, as he started hitting Attach, he didn't have the bomb down. If he wouldn't have gotten meleeed by Standy, he would have killed Attach uh, without letting him get the bomb down. He probably would have died to Standy, I would think. Maybe he two-pieces Standy, I don't know, but he for sure gets that kill on Attach if he doesn't get meleeed and his aimer doesn't fly to the air. So... I mean, I would be losing full if I was Illy. He spiked his headset, his controller, so he definitely did lose full. But, I mean, I don't know if it was a heads-up play by Standy meleeing him or if it was like a panic knife situation. I'm assuming probably the latter, probably a panic knife. But Minnesota iced up. Uh, they clutched up. And, I mean, you also have to give them credit. They kind of, I mean, the overall slaying numbers are pretty even in this series. But uh, Attach had his typical, like, 0.9. Standy was a 0.98. It's kind of shocking to see both subs in their team below a 1 KD. But... Um, they ice up, they win two search and destroys. I'd expect nothing less from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to shout out the rocker. Um, just, a you know, a gutsy win, um, probably, you know, wouldn't happen again. You know, the majority of the time, uh, that they get put in that situation, you know, being, um, 
you know, I guess like 80 ish points down in the hard point two, needing to mm-hmm. rattle off that and then search. Uh, obviously, we know that they uh, probably will excel in search. That'll probably be their go to game mode when all else, you know, fails, uh, you would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just impressed with uh, their consistency, mm-hmm. I guess, over the over the series. I mean, um, you know, the the numbers were really. I guess I guess uh, you know, looking at the meta numbers, they're all kind of similar, except uh, Attach did put in about like almost two thousand less damage over the series. Um, but you know, obviously he's making plays and you know doing other things that aren't really seen in the statistics. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not like out there like waving my rocker flag and saying like oh we're the best team in the game or something but you know it's it's good to to nab a win where you probably i guess you know shouldn't have had a win you know it's it's good mm-hmm. it's nice to steal those and then uh you know obviously because uh it gives you a little wiggle room for other matches that uh might not tilt in your favor yeah I also think I'll give the rocker a little extra gas because I know you might be afraid to because you don't want to sound like too much of a homer, but this dude, Major Maniac, deserves some credit. I mean, if you would have told me that Minnesota is going to take down Optic, I would think it comes on the back of like a standy kind of slaying out, attached, making clutch plays. But Major Maniac was the Iceman, and he was honestly probably the best player in their team in this series. And they, uh, they're down 5-4, and Illy picks somebody. I can't remember who he picked, but he picked somebody that was planning on A. Uh, to make it a 2v3. I think he was alive with Skump, maybe. I can't remember what the situation was, but I know Illy and somebody were alive in a 2v4. He runs up those stairs in the back of A, picks somebody off the bomb. The guy right next to him just like doesn't kill him. He turns around, picks another guy off the bomb. Uh, I believe whoever it was, Shotzi or Skump, gets a kill on the other side, and then it's Illy versus Major Maniac in a 1v1, and he's on the bomb, and Illy knows where he is. Major Maniac just says, screw it, and he just pushes him. Uh, gets behind that column. Illy honestly has the better position, and Major Maniac just guns him. Uh, so Major Maniac, icy as ever. I mean, I don't know how. They shouldn't have even ever gotten to that situation. I don't know how Illy got that many picks off the bomb. Uh, but then Major Maniac just ego chows him, and he wins it to force the round 11. They wouldn't have even been in that situation without him. And, I mean, the dude is icy, and then, obviously... When it got to a game five in that series, I after Optic kind of choked that hard point away, I was like, well, I kind of know where this one's going. But then I thought for a second when Optic had the 5-4 lead uh, and the 1v1 with Illy having position that, oh my God, they're actually going to win. Uh, but I mean, you know how I feel. I say it a million times. I'll never bet against Attach in a game five uh, because he's the iciest player in history. So I think we can move on. But shout out to Rocker and Optic fans. Don't start panicking unless, I mean, if your team loses to Paris this week, it might be time to hit the panic button then. Uh but we can move on if you've got nothing else on on those two teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. All right. So next thing we want to talk about was London. My boys, obviously, we go from your boys in Rocker to my boys in London. They go 2-0 and on the weekend, beating Mutineers and Optic. I don't necessarily think that Mutineers win is as impressive because, in my opinion, Florida are probably a bottom two team right now. But I will say the way that they beat them is pretty impressive. I mean, they... 250 to 119 them in the game one hard point which is a pretty big margin for this game to beat somebody by over 100 and they six won them in search three won them in control uh everybody on their team had a 1.3 or better and then gizmo with a 1.6 so they absolutely dominated florida uh and then obviously again we talked about optic enough don't need to like keep harping on that point but uh, they 3-2 Optic in a reverse sweep. Same thing. Uh, the players just play incredibly well together on the weekend. And 
London look like the team? Uh, obviously not going to say that they're uh, instantly like a, a playoff lock or anything. It's way too early for any of that. But they look like the team that we thought. They look like they showed some of that potential that we truly thought they could have uh, because we knew that they had a lot of potential. It's just a matter of if they could realize it in time. And, hey, to start 2-0 is big for them. To They have an upper hand now to get a position in a winner's bracket at the first major, which... To be honest, that's going to be a crucial thing. If you can make a deep run the first major and kind of separate yourself out in the points, that's going to be a big deal for the rest of the year to make playoffs. So London looked very, very good this weekend. Yeah, I was really impressed with them. And this is a team that we were pegging as, you know, a late bloomer, you know, somebody that, you know, we were hoping wouldn't fall too far behind at the beginning of the game uh, when it comes to, you know, total CDL points and stuff. And we were hoping that, you know, they would stick close and then maybe have a, a second half of the season, sir, like a, you know, groundswell of points. Um, but, you know, really impressed with their, uh, you know, they quickly dispatched Florida. I mean, I don't think we that was too much of a surprise once they kind of got rolling. Um, you know, I I think I did pick uh, you know, Florida in that match, but anyway, yeah. Uh, you know, anyway, uh, like you know, quick quick work of them, and then uh, you know, caught Texas Optic Texas out. Um, you know, Gizmo really showed up this weekend. Uh put in insane numbers uh when it comes to slaying at least uh across both series i was really impressed with him uh really impressed with you know the whole team like i said uh just uh i don't know maybe they're kind of rewriting the narrative that we had kind of set for them where you know they were going to be this late bloomer and they're going to be an early starter you know like maybe they're going to just like run out in front for you know run out in like the top six-ish top five-ish in points and just kind of hold on but you know uh big props to london i can't i they i don't think they put a foot wrong this weekend no and like like i mentioned that florida match wasn't just a 3-0 that was like a stomp of a 3-0 like that wasn't even close that looked like a pro team playing against a bottom amateur team i mean that was an absolute beatdown. uh granted it is against mutineers like i said i do think they're one of the bottom teams right now, but they also beat Optic, who I guess, like we mentioned, is 0-3 on the year, but I, I think that everybody will say, no matter where that Optic team is at, that's a team of four very talented players, so to beat them, especially being down 2-0 and having the composure to come back, is a big win and a good win, uh, but I'd agree. I have nothing else to say about London besides the fact that I'm proud, because I've obviously been a person uh, like you are with Minnesota that's been riding with London the whole offseason. I've been hyped to watch them play kind of like a pseudo fan of them this year, um, jumping on their bandwagon and having faith in my boy Afro and all of them uh, looked absolutely fantastic. Gizmo, especially uh, for a new player with a 1.63 in that Florida series. I mean, they honestly look unreal this weekend. Hopefully they can continue that. Uh because the league's going to be more fun if they're a good team, because we know how rabid those London fans can be. And I mean, we'll talk about their matches later, but they have two winnable matches this week uh, against Minnesota and LAG, not like absolute world beaters by any means. So there's a chance that London could really position themselves well and have a top seed going into major one. Yeah, I mean, it's really just, uh, I don't know, like it, I don't want to get too out in front and get like super high on this team. Exactly. Uh, you know, because I could, I could see them, you know, being more of like a mid, mid tier, sure. bottom, like bottom tier team, but like really encouraging stuff, like I said. So, uh, you know, more will be revealed. And I, I did say in the, uh, in the preseason stuff that, you know, I really wanted this team to be good. I wanted, you know, this team to, to do it for the fans and stuff, uh, for the EU fans in particular. 
Um, so I'm happy that they got out to that two and start and maybe they can make some noise at major one. Yeah. And I think something you said there is really important. You don't want to get too high on this team, but I think that's important for every team. I think it's after a week of matches, I think it's important not to get too high or too low on any team, except for, I think maybe surge or a team that like compared to where we had them. Cause we were cautious with them last week, putting them around like the middle of our power rankings. I think it's finally time to like, start moving them towards the top, at least for the time being, and maybe bumping them up a little bit extra than what we had. But I, I don't think uh, you want to overreact too much uh, to teams maybe going 0-2 like Optic or teams going 2-0 like London. Maybe you, you bump them up a little bit in your confidence or bump them down a little bit in your confidence, but you don't just instantly call a team that you expected to be great like Optic, terrible, or a team that you expected to be maybe more bottom like London, fantastic by any means. Uh, but moving on to our next team to talk about, uh, well, maybe pair in New York with them a little bit since uh, New York, we didn't really have anything great to say about that after this weekend. But Surge, they go 2-0 and over. I mean, I know New York struggled, but it's a team with Krim and Clay and Hydra, like a team with a lot of talent. They beat them and then they beat Ultra, who we arguably think are maybe one of the best teams in the game. Top two, top three. They're one of the better teams, regardless uh, of how they look this weekend. And Surge go 2-0 and over them. Uh, which is, I mean, it sounds so weird to say that we're saying Surge is 2-0 and in anything because it's their whole history has just been them losing every match. So it's it's crazy to think that they're a top team, but Surge look great this weekend. Uh, I know we said last week that we were both buying the fact that uh, Sib is potentially the rookie of the year, but man, we might have to reevaluate that as my thought after this weekend. This dude, Sib, was unreal. I mean, Pred was fantastic as well, but Sib was unreal this weekend. Yeah, really, uh, you know, just crazy matches for the uh, for Surge this weekend. Like Sib just came out of the gates flying uh, in that ultra match. He, you know, drops a one point four. I mean, yeah, twelve uh, like twelve thousand plus damage. Just and one point three seven in the New York series. Yeah, just I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, you know, in in the in the uh, like in in the post match reaction, like he was just like staring at the screen. I'm like, dude, like accuracy just like ninja defused that bomb, <laughs> and you're just like sitting there like he like blank stare. I don't know if he was like having a stroke or something, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just uh, yeah, I mean, we, I think we were talking about like Sib versus Pred for rookie of the year. I think you know <laughs> it might be two rookies of the year on the same team, which is just nuts to think of. Um, in this uh in this age of call of duty but uh yeah i mean they pull it out against uh ultra in a game five uh round 11 nonetheless uh just wild wild matches uh wild up up there for you know potentially you know we could over we could react and say this is the best team in the game i'm might be a little bit more reserved um but they're they're going to be up they're going to be up there when we get to our power rankings they're going to be they're going to be up there and yeah. especially especially playing two matches it's not like it's one it's not like they only played one match and we only got to see like you know a small sample size like they played two matches and uh you know they're pretty convincing against two two pretty you know strong teams we would say you know obviously subliners didn't really have their a game uh by any means but uh you know we're we we got to see them play you know two full matches so interesting yeah. to hear what you, if you have anything else on that i i 100 agree with you that we've got to start putting them towards our top teams i don't know after like one weekend if i'm ready to say they're the best team in the game but they're certainly at least in the discussion which i think 
we would agree, everybody in the community would agree, is faster than we thought this team would be able to get to the point where they're even like in that discussion for the top couple teams. We we knew that they maybe with Sib and Pratt and the Young Guns had the potential, but I don't think anybody thought after week one of the regular season matches we'd be even considering them as a team that could fight for the top spot in the league. So it's kind of crazy to think that they're up there. They look unreal this weekend. Obviously, they were up 2-0 uh, on the Ultra and looked like for a second they were just going to beat them down because they beat them by about 100 in map 1 and then 6-1 them in the search. And then obviously, they lose the control 3-2, and then they kind of got beat down on Berlin, which is, we need to talk about Ultra for that. Like They are the best Berlin hardpoint team in the game, I think, to be honest. I think that might be fair to say. Like They look unreal in that map. Uh, and then obviously, accuracy, ninja diffuses in around 11. You just cannot let that happen. Um but surge if i mean if they would have closed this out in that game three control it'd been like holy crap this team is unreal if they would have three out ultra but uh, i'm kind of looking through the stats too sib went 36 and 17 in that map one against ultra for a 2.12 i mean the dude was just frying uh he's absolutely unreal i think he's the new like flipped above pred for rookie of the year favorite because uh, he kind of had like a signature weekend this weekend in a signature series against ultra um but yeah I, i got nothing but good things to say about seattle surge and I can't even like express to you how hyped I am at the fact that the surge go two and zero this weekend and London go two and zero because these are two of our teams that we were like, yeah, they could be good this year, but like we need to see them out of like see them start hot early and hopefully not dig themselves too big of a hole. And they both came out of the gates firing in all cylinders. Uh, and then maybe some of the teams that struggle this weekend, like Ultra, doesn't win a, a match. Obviously, they only have the one, and it goes round eleven. Optic doesn't win a match; both go round eleven. Like we expect those teams to turn around. So the fact that some of the teams we were questioning look so good early, like Surge. Uh, has me very excited for them. All right. Kind of on that same vein, we can talk maybe a little Ultra and NYSL. I don't really have too much to say about Ultra. I mean, they were down 2-0. They showed the composure that we know. They always see, like, the timing they got to just not check that Ninja Diffuse was, like, so unfortunate. I feel like 9 out of 10 times, they win that round, and Kleenex probably checks it on time. He checked it, like, a fraction of a second too late. Uh, so I don't have too much to say on them, but New York, on the other hand, boy, they not only go 0-2, but they lose 3-1 to Gorillas, 3-0 to Surge. Uh, they get curb stomped by Surge. I mean, in terms of slaying-wise, nobody on the team had a positive KD. Krim uh, was the closest at a .97. They look rough. Uh, and then against gorillas hydra was like on an island by himself 99 kills second on his team was 80 for Krim. he was the only guy above a one with a 1.14 Krim was second on the team with a 0.83 uh new york they got to figure it out because uh i would say lag and surge are like uh, surge are definitely like one of the more talented teams in terms of slaying so to get out slayed by them isn't crazy but how heavily they got out slayed is alarming and then uh, LAG, once again, a talented team, but I wouldn't say like their talent level is like miles above that of New York, and they absolutely destroyed them in the slaying category. Like It wasn't even remotely close, so uh, kind of scary for New York going forward. I'm a little concerned, but once again, it's a, cray, uh, a clay and crim team, so not like overly, overly just panicking, but I'm a little concerned for them. I'd like to see them, them turn around sooner rather than later because it's alarming to see them go 0-2 in kind of dominating fashion. Yeah, definitely on the uh, maybe hitting a little, a little bit of uh, you know, not panic, but like concern for NYSL. Um, you know, obviously they're talking about you know, oh, oh like all right, I guess I shouldn't mock it. Uh, <laughs> they got COVID, and then 
Neptune Neptune like had some hangnail infection or something. <laughs> so, you know, it just seems like they're getting a lot of these like little uh, you know, inconveniences. They're not able to scrim. Hydra was back in France for the holidays, so they took like three weeks off. But, you know, other teams didn't take three weeks off. Um I mean, so I'm not gonna say that's that's like uh excuse for them uh you know abdicate any kind of responsibility for winning or losing like obviously you you got to own your own your crap and you know if if they're if they're going to take three weeks off and then you know come back and be like oh you know you know we're just so we're just so like dog you know i a lot of stuff that crim says that you know i probably won't repeat on the podcast he's like (laughs) you know we're, we're, we're crap you know we're not playing well so i mean put your nose to the grindstone i mean we know that they have a great staff they have uh bobble and uh Revan and uh so i mean a, a lot of uh you know they have good staff behind them they hired some uh you know they hired like uh hydra's guy that was gonna be like a player development coach or something um he's gonna like make sure that everybody's got their mental stuff right so it's like they they have the staff we know that they're they're a good org um they just gotta start putting you know putting the results together and playing well i guess you know it, it sounds more simple than it probably is uh this is a team that we thought you know you know obviously it's a clay and crim team so you know their their floor should be pretty high but you know we might be seeing their ceiling be a little bit lower than we thought but at the same time it's hard to discount um you know them just like flipping a switch and coming back and you know just dominating the league for a little bit you know so like we saw last year with nysl and you know clayster turned up and looked like he was the best you know he for me at one point in Cold War he was in the top he was in the discussion for like MVP. That's how good this team, you know, turned up to be. And now they added Crim Six and Neptune. Like, are you kidding me? This team could instantly just like flip the script and and we could have them at like number one or number two in the power rankings. I could I could definitely see a world where that happens. Oh, one hundred percent. Uh I I mean I'm still a little panicked on New York. I no, I shouldn't say panicked. I'm a little worried about them because uh to lose a match is another thing, but to get out slayed so heavy, like I said, is, yeah. is another thing. Um, but one other thing I want to mention before we move on to our next uh, couple storylines is Surge. I know you're not like a huge stream watching guy, uh, but uh, I don't know if you heard about it or not. I kind of forgot to mention this before the podcast when we were talking about our, our topics, but uh, I was about to say Sib. Pred streamed uh, during like the Optic Rocker match and he was like doing a watch party and then like he stayed on. Apparently, I didn't stay up that late, but apparently he stayed on until like 5 a.m. People were throwing subs at him left and right. Somebody, like one guy even gifted like 150 subs or something, somebody said, and people were like piling in his stream like it was an Optic stream with the numbers he was doing and people were like so entertained. This guy was hilarious. Everybody was like loving him. He is like natural, natural in the content game, like charismatic, funny. Uh, he knows what he's talking about, obviously, when it comes to Call of Duty. And like people were like loving being in his stream. And like after that, people are like, this dude might be like the heir apparent to Scump in terms of like uh, a player with high skill level and how entertaining and good he is in content. And, like uh, after last night, I'm also like a huge Pred fan because obviously the kid is disgusting on on the game, but like out of the game. He's super good on stream. Looks like he could be super good in content. Like this kid looks like he might be one of the guys to carry the torch. Uh, if he can continue his level of play uh, in the game, he might be able to be a guy that can help carry the torch of content and popularity because he was unreal and people were like fall in love with this dude on stream with like how good he was. So shout out to Pred uh, for turning on the stream 
doing some individual content, doing his part, because uh, we always ask players to do that, and we always want players to do that. So when somebody does and does a fantastic job, we got to shout him out. So shout out to Pred. People are like falling in love with the kid, and looks like he could be a potential guy to help carry the torch of the league popularity going forward. Yeah, I did. I I did not know that that he uh, had his stream on, or uh, you know, I, I guess you know a lot of these players, uh, you know, they do stream or you know they'll flip it on or uh, whatever. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that out. I'll have to get in there and uh, show some support. Drop a follow. I also think it's big because uh, he's an Australian player too, so like an international player that can maybe bring some more eyes uh, from around the globe potentially. Not. Because uh, typically the most popular players are always an NA guy, but uh, him being such a good player and such a charismatic player coming from a different country uh, or, or even a different continent, I guess, not from North America, uh, could be big for the scene. So hype to see that. I hope he continues it and keeps killing it because it can never hurt to have another player getting popular on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, on Twitter, on any social media. It can never hurt to have another player uh, getting popular and maybe he can kind of become the poster child like the Australian scump and have a whole country uh, behind him, Australia, New Zealand, that whole region, uh, have them behind him. So that'd be, that'd be big to see. All right. Next topic here. We got phase goes two and oh on the weekend, but you know, a little bit of a scare. They get pushed uh, to a game five versus Paris, which I don't think anybody expected that to happen. Uh, and they lose the map one to thieves and everybody was a little shook. And then they rattle off uh, three straight and kind of honestly bury them and dominate them on the bow cage, a hard point, which we can, maybe do a little bit of a dive into because it was a very, very interesting way they played that bokeh hard point. Uh, and Chance did a fantastic job highlighting it on stream. But FaZe, they go 2-0. and I don't think anybody's shocked by the fact they went 2-0, but maybe a little shocked. They went Game 5 with Paris, huh? Yeah, you were uh, getting pretty high on Paris, or you, you were saying you need to throw some respect on Temp and John. And... You do. You specifically do need yeah, to throw some yeah, respect sure, on Yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> That's fine. They went 0-2. Um, I mean, Temp had a 1.28 against uh, Simp and Beezy, who both went negative, and John had a 1.12. And I mean, they took they took phase two of map five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's just like also you know, the result, top two at, slayers in that series. At the end of the day, results, you know, speak. I'm not going to be so harsh as to like not give any credit, but it's like, you know, you get zero CDL points uh, for that stuff. Uh, and until we start counting maps, map wins yeah. as CDL points or something like. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, phase, if that were the case, I'll be interested to see where you have Ultra in your power rankings because they went 0 1, so mm-hmm. we can't give them any credit for losing a match. Yeah, yeah we're getting into semantics now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, phase obviously picked up where we thought they should, uh, 2 0 on the weekend. A little shit, I mean, obviously, honestly, you know, the shaky, I guess, and uh, getting pushed by uh, legion I'll, I'll give more credit to legion on that you know props to them for you know putting up a fight and making it you know at least interesting um you know we didn't we, i think we both predicted a 3-0 or maybe you predicted a 3-1 um but uh when when you get a result like that uh pretty impressive um for for legion i i should say and uh you know Faye is kind of just like you know, a little bit iffy. Obviously, you said Abizi, Simp go negative, uh, while Selium and Arcides go positive. Uh, but then, you know, they found themselves uh, later in the weekend, uh, you know, dispatched of LAT, you know, 
with relative ease. I mean, yes, they did, you know, drop a, you know, a two point Tuscan, you know, 248 to 250, and then uh, rattled yeah. off, rattled off uh, a 6-4 search, 3-0 control, and then, you know, pretty handily dominated that last They boat dominated gate. that last map. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you had Cellium plus 13 on the map, just you know, crazy numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, so obviously still fa- phase is phase. I don't think any surprise there. Um, you know, maybe the the early uh, panic button people were saying that, you know, you know, FaZe might not be the best team in the game. And I think there's an argument that they're not. Um, yeah, especially through one normal, especially through one week. Um, but yeah, I mean, impre- uh, good results for FaZe. I mean, we'll see. I mean, and this is a team that we should that, uh, you know, everyone has super, super high expectations for. So anytime that they're not, you know, a hundred percent perfect, people are going to, you know, micro criticize. And I guess the same kind of goes for optic too. I mean, it's like they get, you know, put under a microscope where other teams might get passes. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to overreact or underreact, I guess, you know, I'll just keep it even keel for, for phase there. Yeah, I, I will agree. I think, um, I honestly think that their their match against Paris deserves more credit towards Paris than it does for hate on them. Uh, because I think maybe, you know, they came out. Uh, I obviously don't know this, but I can imagine being a team of phases caliber and knowing that Paris is probably the 11th or 12th team in the league. Uh, coming into that match, maybe they were a little bit less fired up and locked in than they should be. They get off to a slow start. Obviously, Paris wins the map one. It's like, wait a minute here. We just lost the respawn. Of all modes that you'd think Paris would be able to take a game off phase, you'd probably figure it'd be in a search and destroy. They do their uh, their homework. They study a little harder. They're able to take a search. You wouldn't think uh, that Paris would be able to take two respawns off phase. Uh, I think that a couple interesting takeaways I have from phase. I also still think best team in the game or at least right up there. Like I don't want to overreact or just not give enough of a reaction, but I do think it's an interesting note. And this is something uh, that I believe it was chance or nameless. I can't remember who made the point on the broadcast, Uh, but it's very interesting to note that they lost both Gavutu respawns. And I think that Paris maybe showed people a potential formula for success against phase because if uh, you notice going into that next series against Thieves, like you mentioned, they don't play Gavutu in either of the respawns, uh, or I guess any of the three respawns. They actually played two hard points in that series. I think it's interesting to note. Uh, I liked what they mentioned, that on Gavutu, you really can only run one sub. And I think anybody will uh, agree with the fact that Simp and Ibizi are probably still the best sub duo in the game, regardless of how they've been this year, I think comes down to it if you're picking one sub duo i think you're picking simp and abizi so to take simp off the sub and force him to use an ar obviously he's still going to be gross with an ar we know he could just slay out anything with either gun but it maybe makes him a little more uncomfortable and he can't just fly around the map uh and that's i think honestly why we saw a guy like john excel in that map one and temp excel in that map one because they weren't getting pressured so much by simp because the amount of pressure that simp and abizi put on a team in a respawn when they're both able to run at you with subs is ridiculous so when you get a more open big map where it's a 3 AR setup like Gavutu, and even on certain hills, sometimes a 4 AR setup, uh, I think that's why we see Paris take them out in two uh, Gavutu, a uh, hardpoint and a control map. And I think obviously teams with more talent than Paris would be able to do so as well. So kind of interesting that we're maybe seeing a weakness of phase being that map. I mean, that map one, John drops a 1.39 and Temp has a 1.67. And those two just get them off to such a hot start that they slay out so hard that they win the map. 
Uh, and then also in the control, John with a 1.39 in the hard point, he drops a 1.38. In that control, Temp also drops a 1.38. Those two were having their way on that specific map. So interesting to see that that could be one of FaZe's weaknesses. But on the other hand, while I'm giving FaZe a little criticism, I got to gas them out for that bow cage setup. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams run three subs on bow cage, and some teams just run a four sub setup. FaZe said, nah, screw that. We've got RCDs and uh, Celium two ARs and they ran two ARs and it was like, what are they doing? Everybody runs three or even four subs in this map. Uh, and clearly they look like they're set in the meta because they know something we don't. They absolutely, I don't think the scoreline does it justice. 250 to 136 does not do what that map uh, actually looked like justice because I mean, Bowcage is a map that like the scorelines almost never greater than 30 because it's just so mixy and you spawn so close to the hill that you're like bound to like just find 180 points. Uh, somehow because of how close you are always spawning to the hill so to double a team up essentially 250 to 136 is absolutely absurd so shout out to phase they're setting the meta for what a bokeh hardpoint should look like but also shout out to paris for finding that weakness and studying up and knowing that uh gavutu is a potential map they could beat them on because paris obviously we know they don't have the talent to just square up straight away with phase but uh maybe show that gavutu is a weakness for them yeah i mean my one comment on that is like I don't know, just like the uh, it, watching the stream, it was just like it, it, this game just isn't like the time to kill is like too fast. And I Instant. know there's been, yeah, it's, it's like every time the and, and I mean, the observers have an impossible job, like they're oh trying to you know, yeah. capture like, you know, the best play to show on stream. And, uh, you know, but it's like every time they flip to somebody, it's just like they're dying and you can't even you can't even see like the gun. There's no gunfight. It's just like dead, dead. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. For me, the viewing experience is a little bit drawn back by that. Um, and especially on like, you know, you have maps like Bowcage and uh, stuff like that, where it's just like head bashing uh, most of the time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, interesting what you said about uh, the Gavu two Gavudu, um, you know, taking one sub out of uh, Simp's hand, and uh, maybe that being, but you know, if Phase do struggle with that, then that'll just be their their veto, and then they just won't play it. Um, yeah, and we know the the map pool is so small that you can get away with just having an auto veto. Yeah, um, I do think I, though it could hurt them in the long run if we do add DLC maps and they have an auto veto. We know from past history since really vetoes became a mainstay thing in world war two, that teams with an auto veto tend to struggle uh, when it comes down to playing a team with a really wide map pool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is a, you know, this team argue, I think this team does have the most coaching staff and analysts uh, yeah. investment. So, you know, they're not going to be bad at Gavudu forever with a team that's this good with, uh, you know, just raw talent. So um, maybe teams should, take advantage of them at the beginning maybe if they are struggling with the map but i wouldn't count on them being bad at it forever no i also do want to shout out paris for that though because i tweeted about it but paris is uh and i don't know whatever you want to say about their talent but in terms of role versatility i tweeted about this they are one of the most versatile teams because they truly have four sub players i mean four players who are historically submachine gun players uh, as like a primary uh, position for them they have fellow really running their main and then temp running their flex but these are four players that can use a sub so they do have that positional versatility to drop into a bow cage and use four subs if that's the case uh, and then they also have that versatility where 
Temp's been very successful with an AR, so has Fellow, and even Decimate, so on a Gavutu. They are a team that can pull three ARs out, but they're also one of the most flexible teams to be able to run four subs if they had two or three subs uh, with general ease, and they can roll swap if they wanted to swap Temp to the main. So I do like a couple things about Paris. I know they go 0-2, but I mean, we're expecting this team to be 11 or 12, so the fact that we're able to take some positives away from them is is a big shout-out. So I think we both agree, phase is dominant. I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I think Paris showed me enough this weekend to actually have faith. I personally don't think they're the 12th team in the game, and we'll get into that. It'll be a hot take, kind of, because uh, maybe the team I have below them beat them this week. But uh, we'll, we'll see when we get into that. Uh, but we can move on to Florida, who I don't really have a ton to say about them this weekend. I honestly left the weekend uh, very down on Florida. They got curb stomped, absolutely destroyed by London, uh, and then they beat Paris. Three to one, but I mean, like we said, I think Florida and Paris are eleven and twelve right now in terms of where they rank for teams. So I don't think it's by any means like a, a fantastic win uh, for Florida. But uh, I came out of the weekend a little bit lower on Florida. I just don't know that this team has the potential to crack the top eight. Uh, I guess they could prove me wrong because I do think guys like Sky's Awakening, um, even Vivid and Dave Patey, I think they do have some talent. Uh, I just think the roles are really awkward. The pacing is really awkward. And I, I was left with not a lot of confidence in this team coming out of the weekend, but I didn't go in with a ton of confidence. So uh, I guess I wasn't too shocked by that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Just kind of, a, you know, they, they go one on one. So you can't say that it was total, a total loss. Um, but you, you, there's just not a whole lot to be excited about. I mean, I guess the, the biggest positive you could take from it is that, uh, that skies, you know, in the second series went pretty big, uh, 102 and 80 over the series, uh, for a 1.28 KD. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, there's not a, like, I don't know. just not a lot to, uh, you know, get too excited about. I mean, they, they lost to a, to a hot London team and then they beat Paris who are probably the, the team right below them in power rankings. So, yeah. Uh, just kind of as expected, I guess. Um, we'll see if they, you know, tilt one way or the other uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, maybe they can surprise us all and win uh, a couple of maps or sorry, a couple of matches. Uh, they do play uh, this coming week, uh, Thieves and Ultra. So. <laughs> Not uh, not an easy road this coming week. Uh, yeah, I won't do. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just... Something about this team is just clunky. The roles just, like we all thought, don't... I don't know. This team just... When I watch them, I'm just not confident in them by any means. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't have a lot to say about them besides just unfortunate roles seem like... It, it almost seems like everybody kind of talked about this, but it almost seems inevitable that a roster change is coming at some point for this team because... It, the team just doesn't make sense on paper when you watch them in the game. They don't seem to make a lot of sense. Skies on the sub just doesn't seem comfortable, except for on Bowcage. He fries on Bowcage with the sub for whatever reason. He drops 40 every game, 40 plus, 50 plus, uh, dropping like 1.3s on that map specifically. He's very good with the sub, uh, but that honestly might just be, good, be because he has a ton of raw talent. Uh, and obviously, we know any player in the league could use a sub if they had to. And uh, Sky's raw talent just shows on Bowcage. But uh, I'm very concerned. I think. Uh, I'm most concerned for mutineers, but that wasn't really new coming out of this weekend. I kind of already had that concern uh, coming in, but uh, onto our last little takeaway from the weekend, LAG go one and one. Uh, they lose to Boston 
three to two and then take out New York three one. The Boston series was very close. Uh if it weren't for Hook dropping a donut 0 and 8 in the map five, uh they still took it to a six four in the map five with Hook going 0 and 8. So um a very winnable game maybe if he provides any contribution, but they do fall three to two to Boston, who is a pretty solid team. Uh, I have some pretty positive takeaways for LAG. They lose a close match to Boston. They beat a New York team that may be struggling right now, but is is a team that you can never count out with Crim and Clay. Uh, I liked what I saw from LAG. I feel like they're after that uh, series against New York, they seem to be kind of learning the game a little bit better together. I feel like they just need to gel because they're a team that we know as long as they gel, we feel like the roles make sense and the team has the talent to do it. So we at least hope that they can get to there. And I feel like I saw enough from them to believe that they do have a chance to get there. I'm not like super, super confident in them, but I'm also not uh, like ridiculously low on them by any means. I do think um, they're kind of right where I expected them to be at this point, kind of towards that middle of the pack, but uh, I'm not like too encouraged or discouraged. I like where this team is at. I think I feel pretty good about them being able to crack that top six at some point. Yeah, uh, definitely um, more positive with LAG this weekend. Uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, if they had lost both maps or mm-hmm. matches, uh, you know, Breach, you know, they showed up to play. They played really well. Uh, can't fault LAG for dropping a close one in game five there. I mean, it was pretty back and forth the whole series. Um, LAG looked you know, pretty impressive and hard point. Uh, and then, you know, Breach did pull out a search and destroy. Uh, and so the Breach won the search and destroy and control, and then they clutched. So they won two, three, and five. And yeah, uh, and LAG took uh, both hard points. So, um, you know, if LAG can improve on their, you know, two, three, five game modes, I think, and, and, you know, continue to, uh, you know, show us, uh, you know, slaying power and, you know, roll like clear roles in, uh, in the respawns, then I think that the, they should be in a pretty, you know, a halfway decent spot at least. Um, and you know, they, mm-hmm. I wouldn't really count the win, uh, over NYSL as being like some, you know, they beat a world beater or something, no. you know, because L- NYSL clearly have their struggles right now. Um, but you know, getting CDL points at the end of the day is what matters. And if, if we want this team to stick around for champs to be top eight, if we want them to have good seedings into majors and stuff, you know, it's the, it's, you know, getting good results like this that we, uh, you know, would hope for them. So I'm, I'm in, I, I took a lot more positives out of more than negatives for LAG over the weekend. I did as well. And I think to kind of highlight, Boston and LAG both here before we wrap it up and kind of move towards our prediction, uh, our prediction segment. I think it's nice to see LAG winning two hard points. I also think it is fair to mention while we do roast Hook for going 0-8 and kind of losing his team the map, I do think it's also important to mention, though, that he went 38-25 and with 4K damage in the game four, uh, which was a close game. He kind of hard carried them to force a map five. So you can argue without him, they're not even in that map five. So it is important to note that while he did struggle and that he had very good series in respawn, uh, namely the two hard points. He had a 1.1 1. 1, uh, in the first one and a 1.5 in the second one. He played very well in the hard points, so got to shout him out for that if we're going to roast him for the search. Uh, but like you said, I think it was also big to see uh, Gunless had a very good map, one with a 40 bomb on Bowcage, uh, the most kills in the lobby. And then I think also uh, his numbers in that game five search aren't crazy by any means. Uh, he went nine and nine, 
but he had a pretty crazy 1v2 clutch and I think maybe multiple 1v1 wins. Uh, he was kind of icing a lot of rounds and he looked like he was hitting that uh, ceiling that we know he could potentially hit. And then obviously ASIM explodes in that series versus New York drops a 1.4 over the series and dominates with like over a hundred uh, kills, I think. Um, and he looked unreal, but also on the side of Boston, quick shout out to TJ Haley. Uh, they obviously lose the respawns. He struggles uh, in all the respawns, which I guess, I, I mean, he dropped 40 in the boat cage, 40 and 34, but he really struggled uh, in the control and the hard point. But in the search and destroys, which is where we know TJ's bread and butter is, he goes 12 and five uh, on the Tuscan 6-3 win. And then in map five, he leads the team in kills with nine at nine and six and the most damage uh, on the team. So shout out to TJ. He was icing up in search, uh, did very well in the boat cage hard point, but struggled in the other two maps. But I feel like that's kind of the, the it factor for me on this team. I feel like if TJ can continue to take over and search and destroy like we expect him to do, because that's what he was known for coming up, being the best search player in the game. Uh, his first year in World War II, and then uh, as things went along, people expected him to become the best search player. He kind of had his struggles here and there, but if he can continue to look like that in search uh, and be consistently around that 0.95 to 1.05 range in respawn, I feel like he's kind of uh, the thing that makes this team go. So uh, pretty nice showing out of Boston here, and like you said, pretty confident in LAG. So two teams that I feel are sitting pretty firmly in the middle of the pack, but two teams that I feel pretty good about coming out of the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess just more, you know, like it, it's kind of rare that we would say like both teams we took positives from. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely a little bit more high on these teams after this weekend. I mean, not that it's going to cause some great shift in power rankings as we'll get to, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, Good on good on breach for winning their map match, and then good on LAG for splitting. Yeah, can't you can't go zero and two. You just did not want to come out of this weekend zero and two. And backs against the wall zero and one. They came out and and they showed out. So shout out to them. Uh, speaking of our power rankings, though, I think we could honestly go ahead. I don't think we're going to do too much debate or talking about them. But every week we wanted to at least kind of drop where our heads are at for our power rankings. I think we could just go through list those and then uh, get into our predictions if you're good with that. Yeah. All right. So for power rankings, obviously, like like we said, we're not going to get too much into like, why do you have this team here? Why do you have this team here? But we kind of want to see where teams are moving. And we kind of talked about this before the podcast. Uh, for power rankings, at least for now, we're doing more of, if these teams played a match tomorrow, here's where our confidence is. This is who we would expect to win. Now, obviously, like if you have a team seven and a team five, it doesn't mean you're not going to pick that seven team to win in a match based on matchups. But like we're talking about our confidence level in the team right now. Uh, so for that, I think I can read mine off first. If you're good with that, I'll just go 12 yeah. down to one. I think you're going to be shocked. I'll discuss my 11 and 12 a little bit, and then I'll just go through. I have Florida at 12 and Paris at 11. I know Florida beat them, so it may not make a lot of sense, and it's probably incorrect, but I don't know. I feel like against other teams, like if I had to just pick something out, um, I don't know. I just feel like I saw enough out of Paris with Temp and John really showing me that they could be slayers. Uh, and I feel like Fellow was pretty consistent all weekend. Decimate was kind of the the X factor. When he had his bad maps, they lost. And when he had his good maps, they won. So I don't know. I feel like this Paris team, when I see them play more of the middle of the pack teams, they play Search and Destroy. And I know Study and Chance both mentioned this when casting them. They play Search and Destroy, the most straight-up classic of any team out there. They play so together they play so much for trades there's almost never a situation where they're in like a 1v4 or a 1v3 because they're always 2v2s or a 1v2 or they keep it close with trades 
uh, and they play so together and so by the book that they're always going to be a tough out in search and destroy. And I feel like we saw some snaps out of John and Temp that show me that they can slay with some teams that are more towards the bottom, middle of the pack. So I feel like I have more confidence in Paris right now. I feel like their team comp makes more sense. They flow together better than Florida. Now, obviously, I could see the argument for Florida being ahead of them because, I mean, they did beat them. So they're probably the more logical team to put ahead of them. But I feel like against the rest of the league, I have more confidence in Paris right now. But that being said, they're both 12 and 11, so it really doesn't matter that much. Uh, Then moving up the list, I have NYSL at 10. Right now, I have no confidence in this team to win a match. I think that will greatly change, and I think they'll definitely jump up. But for right now, 10. Nine, I've got Boston. Eight, I've got the Gorillas. Seven, I have my boys at London. Six, I have the Rocker. Five, I have Thieves. Four, I still have Optic up there. Three, I have Ultra. Two, I have Surge. And I'm going to stick with Phase at one. All right. That was uh, more time spent on 11 and 12 than I would have <laughs> expected. But uh, yeah, uh, so I'll go ahead and read mine off now. I'll go ahead and rattle. I mean, I don't think, you know, after one week, we should get into too much of a debate of like, oh, no. like I can't believe you had this team here. You're still um, figuring out where everybody really needs to settle. Exactly. You're more figuring out that like three block range where they deserve to be as opposed to an actual official order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, my uh, my 12th team is Legion, 11 Florida, uh, 10 LAG, 9 New York, Subliners, 8 Royal Ravens, 7 Boston, 6 Rocker, 5 Optic, 4 Thieves, 3 Surge, 2 Ultra, and 1 Atlanta Phase. Yeah, I like that. I feel like it was pretty much... We were the same, except maybe like one to two spot differences. Yeah, it was. It's it's a margin of error of like two and a half spots, maybe yeah. one anywhere from one to three, really. Spots, yeah, which is but, like we said at this point of the year, that's what you'd expect. You kind yeah, of have exactly. like a group where you think they fit, like a tier, almost like a tier. You have all four tiers where they fit, and just a matter of where you order them, where your head is at for them. All right. We can move past our power rankings. Like I said, we might get into a little more discussion on our power rankings, like maybe when we're in stage two or something, because obviously at that point, um, we might have a little bit more to go off of and why we have a team there and stuff. Uh, but we can get into our our predictions here. Kyle has a standings from last week. I'll be honest, uh, for both of us, it was relatively rough. Although when I'm looking at it here, uh, Kyle only had two series where either the team he picked got uh, swept uh, or got reverse swept for the negative points. Uh, and I only had one where Optica reverse swept and I had them winning. So neither of us got many negative points, but uh, we had a lot of series where we only got it right. No map counts. Uh, Kyle had two series. We got the map count right. I had one, but we'll let Kyle go ahead and talk about where we stand uh, with our points and maybe let him remind you of how we're doing our points. Yeah. So after week one, uh, the standings are myself with eight points and Ryan with five points. Uh, so as a reminder, our um, our points were uh, awarded out uh, one point for getting the result right, uh, plus two points for getting the map count right, uh, zero points for a wrong result, and minus one point if the team you picked gets swept or reverse swept. Um, so yeah, uh, I did get a big boost at the at the end from uh, Florida. I picked that three one over Paris right. 
Um, and then we both picked phase three, one in the, in the series with thieves. So we both got three points there. And then I had rocker. I had, I did have them in a three, one, but, uh, yeah, I got the one point for the result. Right. So, um, you know, after one week, uh, we're pretty close eight to five. So, uh, I guess that kind of transition us, transition, transitions us into, uh, our pickums for week two. Yeah. And. This should be another very interesting week because I feel like once again, we're not to the point of the year where like you have your clear favorite. I mean, there are certain series, obviously, like I mean, looking at some of the matches, looking ahead, like Optic Paris, I mean, I feel like Optic should be the clear favorite, like any phase series pretty much against non top teams. Like you may have your your teams in your mind that are the favorites, but it's not like there's clear far and away favorites in most series because we're not at the point of the year where we really know where everybody is. So uh, should be an interesting week uh, with the first match being Boston versus Paris, which once again, in my opinion, is still like a pretty interesting match because I, I do think Boston is the favorite and probably the better team. But I don't think this is by any means like just a, a markdown victory for Boston. Yeah, uh, this opening match, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm, I'm still going to side with Boston. I'm going to give Paris uh, pushing this to uh it'd be easy to say game five but i'm gonna take boston three one here okay um i just think i i think it would be too poetic for it to be game five so it can't be uh so that that's where i'm gonna side with that one i thought you were about to say game five Uh, i'm glad you didn't so that way we can be different i am going boston as well you have no idea how hard it pains me to say this because i don't think i'm gonna be able to pick paris this week uh Obviously, everybody knows I'm a big fan of John and Temp, so I want to pick them so bad. But I do think Boston is the better team here. And I also think Boston is a team that I don't know if they're going to be constantly on an upward trajectory the whole year. But I really think for the first stage or two, they're only going to be getting better as Nero and Capsule learn the game and as they learn to play more as a team. Because uh, I think they're all very hungry players. But I do think that their trajectory is going to keep going up. Uh, I also think Paris is going to go up as well, and they're going to continue to get a little bit better here and there. But I do think Boston's the better team. I think they're the better search and destroy team as well. I feel like it's going to go to a game five, and Mr. TJ is going to have another superstar search and destroy performance. I think we're going to see a game five win out of Boston with a double digit, uh, double digit kill performance out of TJ. But I think it's going to be uh, potential to be one of the more fun series in the weekend because I know neither of them are like uh, your top dogs, your top teams, but I think that they could provide a very a uh, very fun matchup. So I'm picking Boston 3-2, but I'm very excited for this one. All right. Next match, we've got Minnesota-Seattle. Uh, another one that I'm really intrigued for. This this slate of matches on Friday is honestly awesome. I'm really excited for it. Minnesota-Seattle. This is a tough one because obviously, like we said, you're going to have some maybe favorites. I feel like Seattle's got to be the favorite. But Minnesota, you can just never count them out with how clutch they are. So uh, obviously Minnesota is your team. So maybe I'll let you have the floor first for this one. Do you do you think it's going to be Seattle or uh, are you going to ride with your boys at Minnesota? Yeah, this is uh, up for me because I, I definitely went against the tide last week with picking Rocker over Optic. Um, and it paid off. Uh, the no-quit attitude in Rocker is uh, you know really an intangible that you can't you can't put a a number on it you can't exactly mm-hmm. say what it is but um it's just i don't know coming up against surge it's it's so hard to pick against them right now and uh i feel like 
you know, Surge are just doing such a good job of, of exposing your weaknesses right now in the game um, that, you know, I think where Optic failed to expose the weaknesses, I think Surge will just capitalize that much more this weekend. Uh, unfortunately for my rocker, uh, I'm going to have them only taking the Search and Destroy and losing in the game four. So uh, give me Surge 3-1. Darn, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Uh, at least we had a different map count in the first one, but I'm going 3-1 Surge uh, as well. And I went against myself last week with the Optic-Minnesota match, and I said, man, I'm picking Optic in five, but if this goes five, I have almost no confidence in them, and I should just listen to that because uh, obviously it did go five, Rocker won. But in my opinion, if this does go to a game five, Minnesota are winning it because, like I said, I'm almost never going to bet against Minnesota in a game five Uh I've doubted attach in game fives before in history. And then he just constantly won every single one he was in. So I refuse to ever doubt him in a game five again, until I actually physically see the other team hit the sixth round. Even if it's five, Oh, I'm never going to doubt the dude. I mean, for God's sakes, he was down four Oh in a series in a grand final last year and he won it. Um, so it's tough for me to ever pick against Minnesota just cause I do think they're so icy, but, uh, ice man is on the other team accuracy. I think Seattle are so red hot now. Uh, I think it's really hard to pick against them until we see them lose or maybe play a phase or something like that. It's very hard to pick against them with how hot they are. So I'd agree. I'm going to go 3-1. I do think Seattle is just going to flat out outclass them in the respawns. I 100% agree with your take. I think it's going to be uh, a 3-1 Seattle through three respawn victories. Uh, although I do see a way that the Rocker could win a control, but I, I think for sure, no matter what way the series goes, uh, Surge are going to take both hard points to at least force a map five, but I lean towards the fact more that they're just going to win all three respawns. So I'm going 3-1 as well. All right. Next match, Toronto versus LAG. Uh, Man, this one is tough, and I just really want to pick LAG because I have kind of been a person that's wanted to keep the faith in them this whole year, but I don't think I can do that. I think I've got to stick with Ultra. Ultra have been like the heart attack kings this year. They've been making their series go uh, the distance or at least been in very close series. I think that's going to happen in this one. I'm going to pick uh, another 3-2. I obviously picked a 3-2 in that first series. I'm going 3-2 Ultra here. Uh, I think this series has a chance to be extremely tight in the response because I do think Gorillas are only going to continue to improve. Uh, but I think Sur- uh, Surge are just a class above them in Search and, or not Surge, excuse me, Ultra are just a class above the Gorillas in Search and Destroy. So I think they're going to go to a map five and be able to take it. Uh, but I think Gorillas are going to impress us in this series and put up a good fight. Yeah, this is a, you know, an, an interesting one where you think like, oh, is LAG going to continue the the positive momentum that they have from week one? Or are they just going to, you know, revert back to like oh like uh might be a little bit slower to start and you know still finding out how to play fundamentally correct for their you know ideal position players um and ultra obviously uh their one map one match last week they did lose uh to surge so uh have to keep that in mind too you know maybe they're not who knows i mean these are just thoughts that come into your head when you're going through a pick and you have to, you know, predict the map count and stuff. Um, I think I'm going to side with you, though. Uh, I'm going to take Ultra. And I don't want to say another 3-1. I'm going to say 3-2 because I think Ultra are just, you know, really good and mm-hmm. really good in the search. 
Um, so they're gonna. I think it's gonna be a pretty convincing, like you know, maybe like a six-one or a six-two search to end it. Um, yeah, it'll just it won't be too close, but you know, that's just my like micro pick. You know, like I I have to say something that's gonna be like unique. So remember that. <laughs> I I I'll mark that down. But also, I want to say after talking about these two teams in back-to-back matches, and we're about to touch on one of them again. I just want to see like a thousand Minnesota versus ultra matches. I don't know. Obviously that crazy comeback happens last year, but I feel like these two teams just think about search and destroy on a higher level than the rest of the teams. I mean, like I'm a search and destroy purist. I wanted to, I had this in my head that I wanted to mention this while watching that Minnesota and optic match, but I kind of forgot to talk about when we did, but like, my God, watching Minnesota play search is like a person who loves search and is like basically like study search every game. I try to like, study strats of teams and like come up with uh, strats while I'm playing GBs with my team or playing some ranked play and stuff, or just like playing any kind of like search and destroy channels. I just like love to study the game and like study search uh, and like watch VOD of the teams and just like learn everything about the ways to play search And Minnesota are just like ahead of the curve and ultra are like right up there with them. So, I mean, we need so many battles of the North this year and that rivalry funnily enough, how it was kind of forced in that first year has turned awesome. So, um, I'm so excited to watch this series. I'm just always excited to watch Ultra and Minnesota and Search and Destroy because they're on another level. Um, but going into Saturday, our first match of the day is Minnesota versus the London Royal Ravens. Uh, gosh, this is another interesting one. This is like, I feel like we're like almost forced to like place a wager on this, even though I think we're both going to side with the same team because like this is the team that I've been standing for this offseason, the team you've been standing for. I'll be honest, I think you've got the upper hand in this one. I think if we were doing a spread, I'd deserve some points given to me or something because I think Minnesota are the favorite. Uh, and I'm going with Minnesota in this one. Uh, it's a really tough one, though, because I feel like I want to give London the upper hand on the respawns, but Minnesota, as always, the upper hand in the search. So I'm kind of deciding on what I want to go for map count. So I might let you go first, but I definitely am giving London a map. Obviously, I'm just trying to decide between a 3-1 and 3-2 right now. I'm going to go Rocker 3-2. Uh... Okay. I think that um, you know London might have some more firepower in uh, maps one, three, four, um, but Sir sure. uh, Rocker will probably win both searches, and then they'll find a way to either take one of the hard points or control. Uh, and um, you know, I like you said, I don't think we can bet against Rocker in a game five. So uh, yeah, and and I I just can't possibly see them. Uh, I can't stomach them possibly losing two matches this weekend, so or th- this coming weekend. So uh, I have to give them this one. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. He went three two. I really want to go three two as well. I think I am gonna go three two because I do have a lot of faith in London. I feel like out of three respawns, they're gonna be able to take two of them. I don't think they're gonna be able to take a search and destroy really the only way I could see them taking a search and destroy is like if zero is able to dominate this, the sniper battle against attach if they're on a certain map, which I don't see happening, but that would be the way I feel like if London's able to win a zero kind of takes over one map with the sniper and really kind of like shuts down attach because obviously attach is the guy that snipes on Minnesota. We know how much impact he has in search, but when he has a sniper out, that's the one time he might not be able to have as much impact as if they're able to take him down and zero is able to win that battle, pick him off a couple extra times, take him out of the round uh, and maybe potentially sneak out a search for London. That's like the one way I could see them taking them, uh, taking them out. But I'm going three two Minnesota as well. Uh, you said you don't want to see Minnesota go zero and two. I don't know. I I picked surge in that one, but I still really feel like Minnesota could win. I think they might have a two and zero week. Uh, but like you said, it's almost impossible to pick 
a game five uh, with Minnesota involved and not take them in that game five. It almost feels like teams have to beat them in three or four games in order to take them out because it just feels like if they get to that map five, obviously at some point this year, Minnesota is going to lose a map five or going to lose some map fives, but like you just feel like you never want to pick against them, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on. Legion versus Optic. Uh, this match, I feel like, became a lot more interesting than maybe we thought it was when we uh, saw it on the slate for week two. I believe this is... Oh, no, I guess Paris has that match against Boston, but this is uh, Optic's only match for the weekend, so it becomes a lot bigger match. It also becomes a lot bigger match than maybe you thought because uh, I don't think anybody really expected Optic to be 0-2 coming into this week. Obviously, Paris is 0-2 as well. So in terms of like standings-wise, this is a massive match for both teams. Uh, if either of them want to really keep... I guess probably you can go 2-3 and three and like maybe a 1 or 2, 2-3 two teams will make it uh, into that like 7-8 spot in the winner side of things. But you don't want to go 2-3. and three. You'd like to at least go 3-2. and two. Um, So this is a huge match for both these teams to not fall to 0-3 and, and really, really be in danger of starting in loser's bracket at Major 1. So it becomes a lot more interesting than maybe you thought. Uh, I'm going to go optic in a three, one fashion. I do think Paris is going to take a respawn off them. I think optics going to win the search. I think Paris will take, uh, either that game one hard point or that game three control off them. Uh, I feel like it's more going to be the control. I think optic are going to win it when, uh, in a hard point search hard point. I feel like Paris uh, will be down two Oh, take that control then losing a map four. but I would say I'm a lot less confident in that pick than I probably thought I would be coming into this week. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if Optic hadn't gotten off to an 0-2 start, this would be probably an easy like 3-1 or 3-0. Um, you know, obviously, they're struggling to find their form uh, in some regards, but in others, it's like, you know, they really did look dominant for the most part, except for, you know, having a couple gunfights go the other way and then losing in two round 11s. Um, I don't know. I'm going to add a little spice to it. I'm going to say that Legion can push this to a game five. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind that. I don't know. I mean, but, uh, you know, watch it be like a a hot three. Oh, that's like a a 35 minute total match or something, you know, just like a really quick one. But uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say we might get a game five and it's going to go optics way. Okay, I mean, man, if it goes game five again and Optic finds a way to blow like a, a round 11 again versus Paris, <laughs> I, Twitter might actually shut down. Uh, it's I hope it goes game five because Twitter will be shutting down loading into that map five. Uh, but I, I hope for the league's sake, I don't want to see Optic start losers bracket of the tournament and get bounced after one round because let's be honest, Twitter's more entertaining when Optic's in uh making deep runs and stuff so hopefully they don't fall uh to paris but i think it's a little more likely than what we maybe thought it would be uh when we first saw this slated as a week two matchup um next match on uh that saturday i believe what that'll be uh oh no this is the second to last match on saturday phase boston uh i'm going phase here i think it's going to be uh a three to one i was going between three oh three one uh, I do think I would probably normally pick a 3-0 because I like to pick a lot of phase 3-0s because if there's ever going to be a team that does it, it seems like they're a decent team to put your confidence in. But I do think Boston will be coming off a win against Paris. They'll be 2-0. Uh, what would that make them? 2-0 on the stage. Uh, 
so they're maybe going to be like really motivated to beat this phase team and potentially i mean if they're 2-0 coming to this match and they beat phase that obviously would put them at 3-0 and would maybe give them a driver's seat to potentially lock up the one seed uh or one two seed going into the major if they're able to close things out in that final week so uh, there's going to be some motivation. Obviously, there's always going to be that extra motivation when you're playing FaZe. I don't think it's going to be enough, though. I do feel like FaZe uh, is supremely talented. I think this is a 3-1 with Boston taking the search and destroy and FaZe running through three respawns. Uh, but with the way we've seen FaZe struggle and respawn, I won't be shocked if Boston are able to, to force a map five. But I'm going FaZe 3-1. Yeah, this is uh, that's what exactly what I'm going to go to. I think Boston finds a way to, to eke a map out. Um, I think FaZe are only going to they're only going to grow more powerful. Um, you know, it's kind of like the dark side of the force. It's like, it just grows more powerful over time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, phase finding their footing. Uh, they're going to have more confidence after, you know, starting off two and oh, um, this is phases one match of the weekend. So they have all week to prepare for Boston alone. Um, I think that spells some misery for <laughs> the breach here. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna go three one as well. Uh, I can't say three zero quite yet. Yeah, so we're both going three one on that one, which takes us to the final match of Saturday. You said you couldn't go three zero, but I'm going three zero here. Uh, I'm going thieves. I'm thinking thieves three zero over Florida. I've talked about how little confidence I have in this Florida team, uh, and I'll be honest, I think. Thieves obviously didn't have the best showing. They lose 3-1, but they do lose to FaZe. But I just, I don't know. I feel like this this Thieves team is, well, for sure better than Florida. But like I said, I just don't have confidence in this Florida team. Something about them just doesn't inspire confidence into me. I just, they just don't, they don't feel like a team on the map. They feel so clunky. I don't know what it is. It's like hard to put my finger on, but just don't have confidence in them, which is why I'm going Thieves 3-0. Yeah, I'm going to say Thieves 3-1 here. Uh, I think, you know, the online might be in their head a little bit still. Um, I just can't see Florida dumping three straight maps to Thieves. Uh, yeah, I think Thieves are coming a little bit back down to earth after the impressive kickoff classic. Um, yeah, I think it's not going to be as easy as a 3-0, so I'm going to give Florida one map out of respect. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not as low on mutineers as you are i still think they have a little bit left to show but it's not much yeah i can see that 100 i feel like at some point i had to pick a 3-0 so i just went here because i do feel like it's certainly possible at least all right moving into our set of sunday matches First one on the day is another one because I don't know what it is, but we haven't had like a lot of like top team versus top team matchups. Like we haven't seen like Optic Phase or Surge uh, Phase or even like a, um, I guess we saw Surge Ultra, but we haven't seen like Ultra Optic, Ultra Phase, uh, any of those like top, maybe like one through four matches this week. But this match right here is another one of those matches uh, between Ravens and Gorillas where it's like that like five through eight range where it's like it's just a cluster of teams right now that it's like, where are you? Like, where do you fit in here? Like, we know you're in here, but like, who's the top of like this this middle teams that's trying to rise into that top four and potentially take uh, one of the spots of those teams? So it's between London and LAG here. Where are you leaning on this one? Because I feel like I'm initially leaning towards london but at the same time like 
this is another one of those kind of toss-up series in my mind. Yeah, I'm going to say, um, you know, I I don't want to discredit London with this pick, but I'm just going to lean towards Gorillas. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, for no good reason. It's just a gut feeling. I can't say that, oh, you know, Gorillas are really looking good. And, you know, because obviously we saw the Gorillas win, uh, you know, both... Uh, both hard points and then the final search. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, London didn't put a foot wrong, as I said earlier. Uh, so I can't really say that I'm picking against London for any specific reason either. Uh, I just have a gut feeling that gorillas are going to find a way to, to, you know, sneak this match out. I, I fully expect this to go to a game five. I, because I just can't make heads or tails of it. So, um, you know, I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts on this one. Yeah, I definitely don't mind that pick. My head was almost going with LAG as well. Like, I feel like London showed us more, but I was kind of like my head is telling me LAG. But you know what? We haven't had a single pick. We have a different map counts. We haven't had a single pick where we're different uh, in terms of who we think is going to win. So I'm going to go different here. Uh, I'm going to support my boys in London like you support your rocker boys. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1. Let's go 3-1 London. Uh, I feel like I wanted to go with LAG, but I'm going to go bold, and I feel like London won't drop two series. I do think they're going to lose to Minnesota uh, earlier in the week, but I don't think they'll drop two uh, two series this week. So let's go London 3-1 and move on to Toronto, Florida, because I feel like the rest of the weekend we might go all together, so we got to at least have one match where we're different. Because uh, I think these next two we might pick together. Because I'm going another 3-0. I think Florida are going 0-6 map count this weekend. I think they're getting 3-0'd by Ultra. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I don't have Florida having much success uh, in this one. I'm going to take them losing to Ultra 3-0. Yeah, I feel like that one, If uh, obviously some 3-0 is probably bound to happen. I feel like that one's uh, an interesting match where you probably see a 3-0 happening. Although like we said with how fast the time to kill is in this game and uh, how mixy the maps and spawns and unpredictable they are. This is uh, one of those games where it's pretty hard to three Oh somebody just because of how close matches uh, and maps are naturally made to be by the, the state of the game. All right. Last match of the week, the primetime match on Sunday, I believe, let me look at the time slot here. I thought I'm somebody mentioned like, yeah, this like might be going on during the super bowl. So very interesting scheduling. Uh, from the CDL here, but uh, subliners yeah, because the, because the Super Bowl is always on earlier, so it's it's usually like a four thirty or a five thirty. Yeah, start and this this something. one's happening at what four Eastern is projected to start, or five know. Eastern. Oh no, it says all times are local, so this is in Central. So it's starting at six Eastern. It's projected to start then. Yeah, so the Super Bowl will be on during this this match, which is questionable from the CDL to say the least. But it's New York versus Thieves. Uh, where are you thinking here? I feel like Thieves have, have got to be the favorite, but I don't necessarily think that they're a lock to win this by any means, even though New York did look pretty rough in that week one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Thieves here. Um, I'm going to take a 3-1 here. Uh, I still think New York is going to be you know, slow off the line. I don't know if one week alone is going to get them back to you know a fully functioning team uh although i do think that crim and clay are going to have a lot of like piss and vinegar about getting embarrassed uh in week one 
Um, so, you know, maybe that would be enough to, uh, you know, like scare straight the rest of the team. You know, like we don't want to endure the wrath of Crim and Clay if we lose this one and start off 0-3. Uh, so I definitely think that, I mean, especially with these veteran teams, that could be enough to push NYSL to, to win this. Um, oh, man. I'm I'm almost talking myself into picking NYSL now, but I'm going to stick with my guns. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Thieves, but in four maps. So three to one Thieves. Yeah, the funny thing about you saying you're almost talking yourself into NYSL, picking them is like, as I was looking at this one, like as I'm looking down the predictions and this one gets closer, I'm like, Thieves are the better team. I'm picking Thieves. And as it gets closer, I'm just like, Crim and Clay really going to start 0-3 in a, in, a, in a stage? Like, are they really going to do that? It's Slasher versus Krim. You know Krim and Slasher are both bringing a little extra to the series because they love to beat each other. Like, are New York really going to drop to 0-3? And, and I kind of came to the conclusion that my initial gut reaction was Thieves, so I'm, I'm sticking with them. I'm going 3-2 on this one, though, for Thieves. Uh, I feel like a Slasher versus Krim series is bound to go the distance because, like I said, they want to bring out the best in each other, and so do uh, Clay and Slasher as well. Uh, the AR battle... They like to bring out the best in each other and really uh, fight for that title when they play each other. So I feel like it's going to be a long series. I really almost talked myself into NYSL. It sounds like you did as well, but uh, I'm going to stick with Thieves 3-2 here because I do feel like they're the better team. All right. You got anything else to talk about predictions before we jump into a couple little uh, miscellaneous kind of sections and wrap up the pod? No, I'm ready to keep it, keep it moving here. All right. So we've got... Uh, kind of a returning segment. Um, I don't know if Kyle wants to go over it because this is kind of uh, his baby, a segment he more came up with. So a returning segment from uh, like towards the end of last year that we mentioned uh, a couple times as Kyle joined, but hasn't really been able to be a thing because it more relates to uh, how matches are going specifically. So Kyle can kind of explain uh, this hot seat, cool throne segment, and then we can get into it. Yeah, so this is more of a this is a segment where uh, you know obviously being on the hot seat kind of means that you're uh, you're under the gun to perform. You're kind of facing the facing the music if you don't turn it around. And uh, cool throne would be where um, you know you're you're kind of you know you're, you're riding pretty. You're sitting good. You know you you've kind of uh, alleviated any kind of questions or doubts people have on you. Um, so it's kind of two contrasting things. So I don't know. We don't, we don't need to get into it super deep with a debate, but it's more just like a personal preference. Um, so I guess since, since I, uh, explained it, I'll go ahead and lead off. Um, my hot seat would be, uh, optic Texas. For uh, sure. I think that, you know, they had two very winnable matches. I mean, obviously rocker, you would say is less winnable than, uh, than London. Um, but nonetheless, started off 0-2. I think that uh, definitely kind of lights some fires under the asses of uh, <laughs> the four players there and kind of is just like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, we're so much better than this. We dominate scrims, and then we just don't show up on match day, and we play kind of like we play with our heads in the clouds. We're not, you know, focused on what's going on. Um, so that's my hot seat. My cool throne would be the seattle surge um obviously dispatched of ultra the boogeyman from the kickoff classic um and you know starting off 2 and 0 uh 
just very, very uh, sitting really pretty. Uh, I think that they have kind of uh, questioned, they've kind of begun to silence the people that might be doubting them. I still think that since they're, you know, such an up and coming team in that regard, that they're still going to have a lot of people that are like, yeah, but can they win a major? But yeah, can, can they win, you know, can they, you know, consistently seed high? Yeah. Can they, you know, beat the top teams on a consistent basis? But, you know, I think that they're, they're beginning to answer these questions. Um, So that would be my cool throne. So I'll kick it over to you. All right. I'm glad you went with both those because I think they're both fantastic choices and they're also different than mine. So we get a little variety here. Uh, and I waiting for the Kyle rolling his eyes for my hot seat uh, and the audience maybe as well. But my hot seat is Mr. Decimate from the Paris Legion. Um, I think that I saw enough from this Paris team this weekend to believe they have some potential. But my God, Decimate was costing so many of the maps I watched. Uh, he's the second sub. John was piecing. I mean, the dude dropped a 1.12 versus phase. Temp at a 1.28, like I mentioned earlier. Fellow struggled with a 0.75, but decimate on the second sub in the matchup against the Tiny Terrors. John was bullying the Tiny Terrors in this match, but decimate was just nowhere to be found, dropping a 0.75 on the series. Uh, he is a sub duo for John. Uh, the AR duo and Fellow and Temp look very good. Obviously, Fellow brings a lot of the communication for this team, so he plays uh, an important role. And helping them around the map. And uh, I do think maybe the IGL uh, role can tend to be overrated sometimes, but he does bring a lot of the search and destroy shot calls uh, for the team. So that's very helpful. Um, so I do think I have more faith in him to turn it around. And he also uh, played all right in that Florida series where they really struggled. But man, Decimate looked rough in some of the maps. I mean, maybe his numbers in the Florida series won't show it because he had a 0.93, but the dude was just, it seemed like in every big moment, like, I was seeing John make a play. I was seeing Temp make a play, even Fellow. But it doesn't seem like Decimate was making any of those crucial plays. Uh, and we know how many good subs there are in Challengers. This guy Decimate's on the hot seat for me because I feel like Paris, we know that they're expected to be a bottom team. But they showed so many flashes this weekend that like, hey, maybe they could actually like battle for that eight spot uh, if everything was in the like the right place with this team. And I feel like John and Temp showed their high ceiling this weekend. And we know Fellow can get there because he's done it so many times. But Decimate, this guy, we've never really seen him be on a top team. He always seems to struggle. He came to the Pro League last year and just like quit after one week. Like, this guy's in the hot seat for me. Like, if we don't see him perform, I want to see Paris pick up a challenger sub because I feel like it's very rarely that Paris even has a chance to compete for uh, the 11 seed, let alone maybe potentially scratching their way up into that 8 9 range. So I think he's in the hot seat because uh, I would like to see him potentially um, either pick it up or move out the way for a challenger sub to come in. And then on my cool throne, uh, Kyle will love this one. Well, he might have been rolling his eyes at the other one. I have the Rockers clutch factor on the cool throne. Uh, I mean, like my question for Rocker this year was with them sticking together, were teams going to pass them by in talent? And something I may have overlooked was just how icy. And I don't know how I did it again. How did I overlook how icy Dylan Attach is? Uh, the dude is the most clutch player in the world. And they just clutch up against Optic once again. They ice up. They're down, basically out of the series in Mat 4. They clutch up, and then they're basically down and out with Major Maniac in the worst position in a 1v1 and a 5-4 uh, disadvantage for them. He clutches, and they win around 11. Uh, whatever attaches on a team, they always seem to win. I can't believe I underestimated them, but on the cool throne for me is that Minnesota Rocker clutch factor because I think... Uh, regardless of what we think of them all year in respawn, they are just going to be so good in search and 
have good enough teamwork to win respawns that they're always going to be an annoying team that's around that five six range that's bound to make a run to a top three at some point uh, and potentially find their way in a grand final again so cool throwing minnesota rockers clutch factor what do you think about those yeah i uh I, i'm happy that you're talking about my minnesota rocker in a positive light um the clutch factor is obviously uh you know almost, probably you know close to second to none um oh it is second to none in 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 the league and then uh interesting point you bring up about decimate with uh you know costing and uh not one i would have thought of but i mean are we thinking that you know Paris are in the position to to make a change, or is this just going to be the the status quo for them? Uh, oh, most likely they're not making a change, but I, I I think that like if they had a sub that could run with the way, I mean, John was showing flashes of as good as we've seen John looks in Spo three. Like the dude right. was piecing face. So, like if he had a guy to run with him, like Paris might be able to like make a little bit of a run at the eighth seed, or at least closer than we think. Yeah, that's just it's tough when you have you know a team kind of on, on a shoestring budget and they've kind of just been thrown together. Um, we were kind of just, you know, with Paris, we were kind of just like, Oh, maybe this team can, you know, if, if all the pieces fall to right, that maybe they could make it work and win a couple series here and there. But uh, it just seems like, you know, you know, if decimate turns up, then maybe it's going to be fellow costing in a series and then they won't win. Or maybe it would be, you know, temp falling off for a series or something or, you know, John having a down series. But, you know, it's just like, you know, it just happened to be decimate this uh, this past weekend. So, uh, you know, you know, hate to see it, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I can see that there. There obviously is going to be a series at some point for every team where a single player does cost but I, I definitely feel like decimate is the lowest tier player on that team so that's kind of why i singled him out because i could have singled out fellow technically kd wise he had a worse weekend uh than decimate but i think it's been proven through the success throughout their career how many grand finals fellow has been in throughout his career uh and uh top finishes i think among players at actual champs i think he's like towards the top in uh like career average placing i don't think uh at a single champs he's ever played in he's finished less than fourth uh somebody could check on that stat but i'm pretty sure i know like coming out of uh, the jetpack odds he definitely had that intact and then in world war ii he finished uh top four again with e united so i don't think fellows ever finished less than fourth at champs uh in his career so i just tend to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to him versus a guy like decimate that's never been in a top three situation i don't believe um but we can move on to uh another segment we did a little bit last year another short one but who won the week uh this week for you it could be a player a caster a team um a personality in the scene basically anything uh from uh from this weekend that you want to mention who won the week for you because i have one so i can go first if uh yeah you're still kind of deciding but uh for me i think like the broadcast team won the week uh i think often we like to criticize the production we like to criticize stuff that goes on but i think when they deserve some gas, they deserve it. Obviously, we're working without Maven and Merc. That this doesn't change the fact that I think they did a good job this week doesn't change. We still need Maven and Merc back. That is an absolute must. Uh, but maybe for some of you newer fans, I'm not sure how much you know about Ton and uh, Bryce, but they're like long-term OG. They've been around casting like the 
the Bravo, the Charlie, the Delta stream for years, not really like the mainstream, but they've been casting some of like the side matches and the other pool play matches on streams for the CWL and stuff for years. They're both great casters. Uh, obviously, we still want Maven and Merc back, but those two are very good at what they do. So uh, that was a W for the broadcast team. Also, Esports Engine, I tweeted about it. Besides maybe a couple delays when like a scump legs out of the map or a player's having a tech issue. Matches were starting at 2 o'clock Central Time. You turn on the stream, there's a little bit of pregame at like 2.02 Central Time. Boom, they were into the match. Like, map was starting. Like, they were starting right on time. Uh, in between series, they talked about a little bit, talked about the next series. Boom, right about on time, they were starting. Like, they were much more on a tight schedule. Things were getting kicked off faster. Uh, Veli did a fantastic job on the desk. Ellie Cat is very good on the desk. Nameless, good per usual. I think Study and Lando have taken strides, especially Study. Uh, has taken strides and become a better caster this year. Obviously, Chance and Miles were fantastic. I think just overall production team, during the middle of the map, they're showing, like, this guy has this. They're showing detailed stats. After the series, they're showing detailed stats about this is the team's hold percentage, how much they hold this hill. Like, of how how many times they've played Bow Cage, they hold the, this specific P2 45% of the time or whatever, specific stats on the screen, like, and I'm a stats person. Uh, I work a little bit in stats and esports on the side. Like that's something I love to dive into. So like the production team did just an absolutely fantastic job from esports engine uh, to the on-screen talent. They just did an absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, gone are the the last two years of uh, you know I could uh, you know if a match was going to start at like 4 p.m. or something, I could you know comfortably get on at like 4 30 and the match would you know still be loading in you know we'd still be in the you know watching ads and listening to like you know the game fuel keys to victory and just all these like ridiculous things um that you know just detract from the game uh at the end of the day when when you're when you're delaying the broadcast by by that long so i, I definitely do appreciate um the punctuality more than anything uh i mean this past this this past weekend i i really uh i did struggle you know i was like you know i because naturally when i see when i see the matches starting at this time i'm like okay well if i'm a half hour late then i'll be right on time <laughs> so yeah not uh, the case anymore yeah so um big props to adam apicella esports engine and the the whole team over there for you know prioritizing that because i i, I think that that really uh shows that you care about your your viewership and that you're you're you know I think time is the most precious resource. And uh, mm -hmm. if you're taking away a half hour for ads and pregame stuff uh, and really just detracting from that, then I, I think that uh, you're, you're kind of doing a disservice. So big props there. Uh, my who won the week. Um, you know, I, I think uh, this player, um, you know, for the first few weeks has been kind of, you know, he's been hyped up, but you know, other people are saying that the, his, his duo, uh was really the the one to be looking out for and he might very well still be um but this guy uh really showed up in in the last match of the week um or, or his team's last match of the week I should say uh and kind of made a, a a statement showing uh for why he might be uh in consideration for rookie of the year and that would be uh Sibyl and Sib uh you know 1.4 in the last series against uh the ultra uh just you know crazy numbers like we were saying earlier yeah. um and you know a lot of the hype was going towards pred pred rookie of the year pred this pred that and pred is still very 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 good at this game mm -hmm. 
Um, but you know, Sib's making a, a play and uh he's getting some getting some gas in the timeline I'm seeing and stuff. So uh yeah, I mean if this team could have like I like I was saying earlier as well, if this team can have two potential rookie of the year candidates uh you know running on this one team and they're playing so well, you know, wow, this team could really uh you know smash through the ceiling here. Yeah, and I mean one hundred percent Sib was I mean I think it's pretty well known he was pretty much the best player this weekend like the best player of the weekend like you mentioned uh and obviously pred also one of the top rookies if not uh one he's number two right behind his teammate he's right up there uh accuracy obviously the ice man with that diffuse and leading the way but i think mac uh also deserves some credit i wanted to shout him out at some point in this podcast and i haven't i think he deserves some credit too because he is just consistently uh running with pred as that second sub and uh just putting up numbers and he's such a good player. And I, I feel like it's underrated how much success Mac has brought his team since he joined. He joins on NYSL partway through the MW year instantly turns the team around. They, well, it was an online home series. They still win an event and become just a more consistently good team than they were without him. Uh, and then last year on NYSL, obviously on a team that wasn't expected to do uh, so much for a while there, they were a top team, even made a grand final. They were very overall successful. And now he's on this team again. Uh, it's not a coincidence that every team he's been on has seen success with him. He's a, he's a very good player. So shout out to him as well. Um, something else for Sib. Uh, I think it's an interesting comparison. I heard it on the flank from Zuma and it was actually something I was thinking as well. Um, Sib's gameplay style reminds me a lot of uh, Pharaoh rest in peace. F three. His gameplay is a lot like him. He's that flex that you 100% feel confident in him using uh, an AR, 100% confident in a sub. You can even argue he's better than a lot of subs, and he's also better than a lot of ARs. Uh, when he uses each of them, He just you have unlimited confidence in the guy. Uh, he ego channels a lot like Pharaoh did, uh, and you just know, gun skill-wise, he can go toe-for-toe with anybody in the league. Um, and you know, Pharaoh could be a little hot-headed at times. We know Sib can be a little hot-headed, just like overall. Uh, the two remind me of each other. Rest in peace, Pharaoh, one of my favorite players to watch. But Sib has some flashes of Pharaoh in his gameplay. Uh, I feel like he can also pull out the sniper and be very flashy with it, which Pharaoh is one of the greatest snipers uh, to ever touch uh, the scope. So he, he reminds me a lot of Pharaoh when he plays. So I'm excited to see how his his career continues. And yeah, like you said, the dude was unreal this week. Yeah, and that's, that's a really uh, neat comparison there. Uh like you're saying, you know, with the, especially with the TTK in this game right now, with the, uh, you know, just ego challenging, like you might win, you know, a fair percentage of them. Like if you get the peakers advantage and stuff and you just happen to, you know, catch somebody not expecting it and you just ego challenge it, like, wow. Uh, and like, like we saw with Pharaoh and M Dub, uh, especially with that, with that one, uh, when Florida were on their run. Uh, yeah, just impressive all around. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much it for that kind of stuff. We can dive into down bad sports moment of the week. I don't know if you have too much for this because for me, the sports I mostly watch are football and basketball. Football, uh, especially for my team, has been over for a while. For both of us, for our teams, it's been over for a while. Uh, and basketball, we're kind of in the middle of the season, and um, my team is basically in like title or bus mode, and you know they're going to make the playoffs, and it's just a matter of can they make it back to the finals. Uh, and your team is more in rebuild, like see what our young players can do mode. So like for me, those are the two main sports I watch. Obviously, I know you're a big baseball guy. Um, the lockouts are going on, but baseball obviously isn't in its season now. So there's not too much for me. I don't know that I really have 
much. I might have some after the Super Bowl if I play some bets and lose them inevitably or something, but I don't have too much for this this week unless you have something because I know Winter yeah. Olympics are going on and you're big into that, so maybe you have something. <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, you know, last night was the uh, the women's giant slalom. Uh, it's one of the disciplines in, in alpine ski racing, um, downhill ski racing, uh, and, uh, you know, metal reigning olympic gold medalist from 2018 uh in u.s starlet michaela schifrin uh you know was a podium favorite gold medal you know up there in in contention to possibly win gold medal uh she kicks out of the start gate for her first run uh so there's two runs in in these events and uh kicks out of the start gate and on the the fourth or fifth gate just completely falls on her on her hip and uh is out of the run so i was pretty down bad about that because you know obviously when you have a big u.s name like that all the the tv coverage just stops and everyone's watching it and uh you know to have her crash out uh dnf and within the first five gates was uh pretty disappointing so kind of down bad but you know she's competing in a lot of other disciplines of ski racing in the olympics so hopefully she'll have a chance at redemption for that but uh it's always it's Ski racing is a uh, an unforgiving sport. You know, one little yeah. mistake and you're and you're done. Uh, and you know, four years. I mean, obviously they have the World Cup every year where they're racing uh, throughout the winter. But you know, every four years you get a chance to uh, go for glory and get an Olympic medal. And uh, you know, within a blink of an eye, it can be gone. So uh, kind of down mm-hmm. bad about that. So yeah. Olympics is never like something I've been like huge into. My dad was always really into it, like especially the winter one. So I, I sometimes like watched it growing up as a kid with him. But it's like actually insane to think about some of the things that they're able to do. Cause like, I mean, obviously the Olympics are huge on a world stage, but like in terms of sports that are really covered and watched, uh, like in the US at least, uh, it's mostly like you always see like football, basketball, some baseball. Like those are like the main things covered. And you don't really see like a lot of Olympic sports covered. But then when you actually watch, like especially like you said all like um the alpine skiing events and stuff it's like the slalom and everything you watch like what these people are doing like these athletes are doing is actually like insane and it takes so much skill and like like you watch somebody in the slalom and it's like i don't even know how it's humanly possible to be as good at it as those people are um from whatever country they're from from watching them it's absurd to watch uh how good these athletes are and like Every single time I watch it, it's not something I'm super into, but whenever I watch any event really in the Winter Olympics, I'm just amazed at how good these people are at their craft. So it, it's definitely something uh, to watch. And obviously, a lot of people love to watch it. It's the world's games, and it's it's absurd to watch. So yeah, um, I'm probably going to tune in uh, at some point here or watch. I usually watch like highlights of the Olympics. I usually don't find myself watching it too much live, but I like to see like uh, the highlights and stuff and like when people make their gold medal runs and the people that win the gold that I like to watch a lot of the highlight videos and stuff. So I'm sure I'll be tuning in, but yeah, every time I watch winter Olympic stuff, I'm just amazed at some of the stuff people can do, especially when I see people launch themselves, uh, off the ski jump. And oh I'm gosh. just like, like, first of all, like I'm a person that doesn't like heights. I've never like done anything like that. I know it's kind of shocking. I'm from Wisconsin and I really don't ski. Uh, but I like when I see people launch themselves off that ski jump, I know like if I was in midair, I would be just like absolutely panicking. Like what they do is insane. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, maybe give the Winter Olympics a, a tune in and, uh, you know, pull up multiple screens so you can watch some CDL as well. Because I, I know that, uh, you know, yeah, this CDL, weekend, Super Bowl this, Olympics. I know. Geez, you're going to need multiple TVs running. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
you got anything else to cover before we wrap this one up? I feel like it was a pretty good episode discussing uh, last weekend's matches. Pretty much how it's going to be from here on out, discussing the previous matches and really diving into predictions. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to have some, uh, you know, longer uh longer episodes here when we're having double doses of reactions and predictions uh but you know that that's the way we like it and we're we're back into competitive cod we wouldn't have it any other way um and you know uh looking forward to sharing this experience with all of you guys and uh thank you all for watching and listening so uh i think that's about all i have uh you want to kick us out here yeah so like Kyle said, we appreciate you guys all listening. We're finally back into the swing of uh, competitive COD. We kind of have a schedule in mind uh, for what we'd like to do, especially on that like week off uh, between the major um, and when the matches or when the final matches in the major actually happen. Uh, so we'll kind of fill you in on that when uh, that comes up as we've got this coming week and another week of qualifying matches before we somehow already dive into uh, major one, which is just a few weeks away. Crazy to think about. Um, but like you said, there are going to be some longer episodes coming up here because we've got to analyze what we just saw in the past weekend and jump right back into predictions for the coming weekend so we can get it all out to you uh, with time to spare before the matches happen. So that's going to do it for this one. We obviously really appreciate you guys watching. Like always, if you're on YouTube, drop a like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, comment down below your thoughts on the past weekend and your predictions. Obviously, like we always say, we like to read what your thoughts are because, I mean, even last week in the comments, uh, we learned a lot of new information that I don't think Kyle or I knew. We had somebody mention to us uh, that Neptune had a thumb infection that might have affected him. I didn't know that. I don't think Kyle knew that. We had somebody talk about Clayster saying the whole New York squad uh, is playing from a facility together. We didn't know that. So like people are providing us information that we don't know because obviously we don't know everything in the scene. So we greatly appreciate that. If you're on the audio platforms, be sure to drop a follow on there and a five-star review if possible. So thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, and we'll see you after this jam-packed weekend of Call of Duty and sports. And we'll be reacting and giving more predictions next week. Thanks for watching, everybody. And we'll see you in the next one.